following message is from a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. Well, today I want to talk about Barnabas and a ministry of encouragement. And uh, there's a whole bunch of... I just lost, you just, did you just lose me or can you still hear me? Okay, um, I'm, gonna, I'm taking responsibility for the slides. I'm not the most uh, pretty slide maker, so if they're rather plain, it's just, you know, it's, it's my fault, not anybody else's. But I do want to talk about the ministry of encouragement. So my first question for you would be kind of a simple question. If uh, you had a preference, would you rather work and live in a toxic environment or would you rather work and live in a very encouraging environment? Uh, realistically, that's kind of a dumb question, right? How many of us really would like to go to work every day and have your boss tell you, well, you failed this, you blew that, you didn't do this right, what's wrong with you? I can't even believe you have this job. That's not the kind of environment that we want to live in. The one that we would like to live in is one that's very encouraging. And uh, I'm so grateful that Dr. Steve has asked me to come here. Can't wait to come back next week for part two when I talk about admonishment, right? <laughs> He's like, no, you're not coming back next week, brother. Um, <laughs> faithful or not, you get one week, you better get it done. Um, but I want to talk about Barnabas, and I'm going to give us just some snapshots of who he is in his life and how he really shows us what encouragement is and how it can be a part of our church. So I want to define encouragement first off. You can either open your Bibles or look through your phones, whatever it is that you want to do, but it's also up here. But Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now the context of the book of Hebrews is pretty simple. It seems that the writer of Hebrews, whoever it might be, some possibly say it's Barnabas, is seeking to encourage these Jewish followers that following Jesus really is worth it. He really is worthy. If you look at Jesus and you match him up to many things that happen in the Hebrew scriptures, understand that Jesus is a fulfillment of that. And so rather than turning back to the old ways, I want to encourage you. It's a whole lot of encouragement to keep following after Jesus. And he comes to this here in Hebrews chapter 10, and he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And look at a couple words here. The first one I have is uh, consider, and the idea is to think deeply about something, to not just kind of look at it, but really consider, reflect, take the time. And, and I compare it to this. Um, how many of you, when you were uh, dating and engaged, thought about a lot of ways in which you could impress the other person so much so that they would like you, right? How, if we could even take the time, and we're not going to, but who has the most outlandish engagement slash proposal ever done here? You know, something crazy. One guy in our church, I th you know, he wanted to actually be here. Didn't you take Ellie to New York? Yeah, I mean, you live in Chicago, and, uh, and it's not like, hey, let's get on a plane, but really considered, thought about, like, you literally put a lot of energy uh, into this idea of how am I going to propose to this person so that they so want to get married to me because they recognize, wow, I am the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And that's what it really means. Consider, really think and, and reflect in a really deep way. I really want 
to touch your heart. I really want to encourage you. I'm really going to think about this. But he goes on a little bit further. He says, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And the idea of a spur, like any cowboys here? Any cowboy fans? Okay, well, you know, you'll get over it eventually, hopefully. Be a Bears fan, perpetual losers. But anyway, so... (laughs) And I am a Bears fan too, you know, but anyway, uh, moving on. Um, But the idea of a a spur, you know, if if you spur the horse on, and, and the idea... In the original, I was a little surprised. It was like the idea of spurring someone on to being angry, um, uh, irate. And I was, that doesn't really make sense. But then when you think about it, have you ever had an argument with someone and you press the right button you know that's really going to irk them? Anybody? Am I the only person that does that when you get into an argument with your spouse? You say the one thing that you know that's really going to get them because you think now I have hit the home run. I have won the argument. She will admit that I am Right? I can't be the only one, right? Any amens out there? That's the idea of spurring. You know, like, I'm going to push harder. And those spurs going into the horse, and the horse runs faster in order to win. And so what the, the writer of Hebrews is simply saying is, listen, let's, I'm encouraging you to follow Jesus. Don't give up. Don't go back. Keep pressing on. And I want you to just, as a community, think and reflect Consider deeply how it is that when you come to gather with everybody, you can spur someone on to more action, more love, more, more good deeds in our community and in the community in which we live in. So that's our definition, I think, of what encouragement is. Now let's see how Barnabas fits into it. If you turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 36, I'm going to read this. I'm going to try to read it slow. And I want to help us see a corporate culture of encouragement. And the reason why I'm saying this is because a lot of times when we read the Bible, we read the Bible as an individual love letter from God to us, which is not a bad thing, but it's not the full picture. And often we miss out on what God wants to say to the corporate community. And so when we're reading this, we are talking about one person in this large community Barnabas, but I believe that the corporate culture should be a corporate culture of Barnabasness, if that makes sense. Here's how it reads, Acts chapter 4. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, I want us to see a couple things here to help us develop this sort of culture. The first thing I want to notice, or at least I noticed, is the name change. How many of you have two names? I have a friend over here. Julio, where are you? Why don't you stand up for a second? Are you new to the church here? He once called my wife a hottie. I forgave him for that because she is a hottie, but I didn't understand. Be honest, can you stand up? Come on, bro. Come on. Just... All right. Uh, now, okay, you may now sit down. Um, 
But here's the illustration that I'm trying to get across, and I'm glad that you're here today. Like, he has like five names to me. Uh, it's Julio, right? Uh, Jisoo, Jay, and then I started calling you he who has four names. And then with that makes it five. So you have five different things by which I call him. Now, there are all differences about his personality, but the, the idea is he has a bunch of names like this Joseph guy, but his name was changed. You see, he made up all those names for himself, and I gave him the last two. But the idea behind this here is here's this guy, Joseph, walking around Jerusalem, and everyone is looking at him and saying, you know what, Joseph just doesn't fit you anymore, bro. We got to change your name. Your name should be Barnabas. Like, you are the son of encouragement. You embody encouragement, you know? So it's like a confirmation name. I was uh, born and raised Roman Catholic. I have my first name is Frank. Middle name is John. Last name is Pizor. And my confirmation name was James. And so I am Frank John James Pizor. And that extra name there was supposed to mean something. And it does. It means something. And so when you have this name and it changes... Like this, it's not just because you want to change your name, but everyone looked around and said, bro, there is something just uniquely different about you. You are an encourager, so we're going to change your name to Barnabas. And that's kind of the culture that I would like to see in the church, not just here or at Harvest or anywhere, but in general, so that when you come to church, you don't come to a place where there's a sense of toxicity, but you come to a place where you can actually be encouraged to find Jesus and follow Jesus with your life. So that when you come here, it's not a, oh my, I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here, but it's I want to be here because one, I want to encourage others, and yet, two, I'm here today, and I need encouragement. And when that culture of Barnabas is established in a church, it's a place where people say, hey, I can go there, and I feel loved. It reminds me of a story that D.L. Moody once told, and I know I'm, you're thinking I'm that old. I am not. I'm not that old. Okay, that fell flat. Um, he died in like 1899, okay? So that would, okay, did you get it now? If you have to explain it, it's no good. Okay, so... But he tells a story of one of these little, little boys who came to the Sunday school that he led. And people ask this kid, why are you here? I mean, you pass all these churches to get to our church because you walk all the way from home and you walk here. And the kid's response was, I come here because this is where I feel I am loved. That's church, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, and hopefully as a follower of Jesus, when you come to church, you sense that feeling of, I come here and people love me. So I'd like to see that culture of this, this being Barnabas because this Barnabas guy was such an encourager that he actually stuck out and people said, let's change his name. Number two, an encourager seeks out anyone. From Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28, it reads this way. When he, being Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. See, now this is where you see encouragement. An encourager seeks out anyone. Picture the scene in your mind. 
Here you have this guy named Saul slash Paul who was a persecutor of the church. There are probably people sitting in the, I'll say, pews or the church at that time who could see that man and go, that man is responsible for my father's imprisonment. That man is responsible for my brother's whatever it was. And now he's among us? There is absolutely no way that we are going to trust this guy because he's probably a spy. So let's put it in a modern parlance. Imagine, as we're sitting here today, breaking news at 12 noon. What time is it now? Around 12 noon. So uh, the breaking news is that Vladimir Putin has decided that what he has done in the Ukraine is abhorrent to him. And so he he calls up Vladimir Zelensky, and he says, bro, we got to work this out, man. Uh, I feel bad about what's happened. Uh, I want to rebuild the country with you, and I want you to come to a secret meeting in Moscow where just me and you and a couple of my bodyguards are going to get together, and I'm going to share with you the way in which God has changed my heart and led me to come and help Ukraine rebuild, and I'm going to give you everything back. It's all yours. What are you thinking if you're Vladimir Zelensky? You're thinking, I'm going, bro. I'm in, man. I'm all, all in. No, you're not, right? Some of you are saying, there's no way I'm going. You want a secret meeting? Why can't we do it in public? Why can't you go before the United Nations? So here you have this guy, Paul, coming and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. Let me in. I want to meet the apostles. Yeah, no, not happening. But Barnabas takes a risk. Barnabas actually sits down with Paul and they have a conversation and Paul shares his testimony and very clearly the Spirit of God working in such a way that Barnabas goes, this man is real. And so he puts not only his reputation, but the church as a whole at risk because he says, you know what, I'm going to bring it to the apostles and we're actually going to sit down and we're going to talk about it because I truly believe that God is at work in your life. You see, someone who is an encourager is someone who seeks out anyone. Not just the people that they like, but anyone. I do not think Saul, Paul, was a very well-liked man in the early church in the beginning. I'm pretty sure that people were not happy about the thought that he had become a Christian. (coughs) And if you're like me, your hope was always that in some way, shape, or form, Paul would have gotten it stuck to him. You know what I mean? Like in some way he fell off a horse and broke his neck and spent the rest of his life paralyzed. And now you're telling me this guy is a follower of Jesus? Absolutely not. Not liking it at all. But Barnabas, the one who embodied and embraced encouragement, says, I'm going to risk everything because as an encourager, I will seek out anyone who names the name of Christ. I will come alongside of them and I will encourage them. It reminds me a lot about this man named Jesus. Because when you think about what Jesus has done, he sought out anyone. Anyone. You see, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world. Anyone. Not just a certain group of people, but the whole world Jesus came for. And what did he do? (coughs) He left the very throne room of heaven. He entered into our world, living like a man of sorrows, seeing the grief around him, and then died on a cross, a painful death, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally and spiritually because of the sense of abandonment, because of the sin of the world placed upon him for us, for the world. 
That's what encouragement does. It, 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 it takes the risk. Because did Jesus come thinking, oh, everybody's going to love me? No, he recognized the fact that many, even his own, would reject him. But yet he still came. Because that's what an encourager does. An encourager seeks out anyone to come alongside them and help them follow Jesus. That's Barnabas. He's an encourager. But let's move on. Another snapshot. An encourager raises up people. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Reads this way. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And I want to stop there just for a second, because when I read this, I think, well, hold on a second. They're in Jerusalem, and I'm guessing that there's probably a whole bunch of the original 12 that are there still. And yet, in all of this, who do they choose to go? Barnabas. Why are you sending Barnabas? Why don't you send Peter or James or John or somebody else that's really going to put it together with that apostolic authority? You're picking some guy that's just an encourager? Why would you do that? Because he's an encourager. Because when they know that he gets to the church and having that leadership and having that encouragement ability, he's actually going to come alongside and stir this growth and keep it growing and moving because people would prefer to be in an environment of encouragement than one of toxicity. And why not pick a guy whose name you have changed because he's an encourager to continue encouraging the church to grow? Read what it reads then at verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. And look what he does. What did he do? He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Good pick. Good pick. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You know what else strikes me about this story? Is as an encourager, we must recognize that an encourager raises up other people. In other words, as Barnabas is looking at this church and he's seeing that it's continuing to grow and he's seeing the Spirit of God work, he could have said, as many pastors do, he could have said, man, I'm pretty good at this, aren't I? I am rocking this. I got this going. This church is growing. What this guy does in the middle of a prospering ministry, he says, I need help. And he doesn't just say, I'm going to hire anybody, but he goes and he goes and he travels to this place and he meets with Saul slash Paul and says, bro, I need help your help. You see, it's this idea of an encourager raises up other people, whereas a, as a senior or lead pastor there at Antioch, he's not the guy running around saying, look at my church, because he recognizes it's not his church, it's the church of Jesus. And realizing it's the church of Jesus, he says, you know who Jesus really wants to be here? This guy, Paul. This unknown guy, kind of, who's had this really deep, rich experience with Jesus, 
we need him on our team because God is calling him. It used to remind me of Bill Hybels. Whenever he had people that he would invite to the church, he would always invite people, as I remember him correctly saying, I would invite people who are better than me. That's an encourager. And I could see Barnabas saying that. I have a feeling, I have a sense that this Barnabas guy is a much better leader than I am. And I think we should get him. He could have said, no, this is my baby. I want to keep growing it. But he said, no, this is the body of Christ. Let's get the best guy here to be able to do ministry. And so an encourager comes alongside someone and raises them up, which reminds us again a lot of who Jesus is, right? Jesus can look at us in our mess. He can look at us in our weakness and he comes alongside of us and he says, give it to me. Let me carry it. Let me, let me, let me. And he raises us up. I mean, think about it. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus died for us, not just because he wanted to set us free from our sin, but to give us life as well. And that's what an encourager does, to give life. This is the impetus for the ministry of Paul before he gets out there and when we get to Acts 13 and him and Barnabas go off and they start on their missionary journeys. An encourager raises up other people, makes them better, even if it means that they have to become less, which reminds me a lot of John the Baptist, who when he saw Jesus, he said what? Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Because it's not about us, it's about him. And Barnabas' concern was the kingdom of God, and he knew he had to be with Paul to grow that kingdom. Fourth thing, Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. An encourager doesn't give up. It reads this way. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit all the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. In other words, after this big conference about following Jesus, they gather together, and in the midst of this, Paul says, hey, bro, let's go back and visit all the churches. Let's go see the church plans. Now, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. And I will say this much, in terms of the rest of the Acts story, he sailed out of Christian history. We are not going to see Barnabas in the book of Acts again doing anything. This Paul guy, we will. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So the context here is, Paul says, bro, let's go back and let's visit the churches. They probably need encouragement. And you're really good with encouragement, so let's go back and reach them. And Barnabas says, you know, bro, that's a good idea. I like that idea. That is fantastic. Let's do it. Hey, let's get a team together. And so maybe they start saying, we go with this guy, we go with that guy. They get to a point where Barnabas goes, hey, you know what? I want to bring John Mark. Paul says, moving on. No, 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 seriously, Paul, I want to bring John Mark. Paul says, no, we are not bringing that guy because the last time we went on the mission trip, when we got to the beginning of the trip, he said, I'm out of here. That's not good for Team Rail, man. we got to have someone who's in it, in it to win it, who's going to stick around to the end. He's committed. He's going to go down for it. And I don't want that guy on my team. And Barnabas, the encourager, says what? Listen, I don't give up on people. I am not giving up on this guy. I'm telling you, Paul, he's the real deal. Maybe he was a little too young the first time. Maybe he was going through something the first time. But whatever it is, I'm telling you, 
I'm going to stake my ministry on it. I'll go with him if I have to, but I'm telling you, this guy is the real deal. Well, as you see, who wins the disagreement? Paul does, right? Because Paul is right. He's Paul. Paul's always right. If you turn to me, or turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, let's see what Paul says about John Mark in the end. 2 Timothy 4 being the last epistle that Paul writes before he dies, he writes this, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Who is that guy? That's John Mark. Years later, Paul realizes, you know what? Barnabas was right. He did not give up on this John Mark guy, this writer of the gospel of Mark. Get the flow? An encourager does not give up on people does not give up on anyone. And in the end, I think the Spirit of God working in Barnabas says, don't give up on this guy either. Stick with him. I've got plans for him. I'm going to use him. And even Paul, near the end of his life, recognizes this fact and says, wow, get this guy. Bring him to me, man. Bring my buddy. Bring my bro. Bring my homie. Get him here. Please, I need him. The end is near. I want him to be with me. Because an encourager does not give up on people. Which reminds me of, say it with me, Jesus. Right? Isn't that cool? I mean, this is not a story about Barnabas. It's a story about Jesus and this guy named Barnabas who has this strong sense of encouraging people and he doesn't give up on anyone. I know sometimes you feel like, man, this is it. I woke up this morning and I said, man, I, really, <laughs> I want to stay in bed. <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel nasty. I feel yucky. There's something wrong inside of me. I quit. I give up. I don't want to do ministry anymore. I'm done. I give up. That's how I can be. And then God walks along and says, bro, you said you were going to go. You have to go. Well, I don't know if he really said that. But that idea of, okay, I'm going to go. And, and, I, and I have to go. But I'm ready to give up. But Jesus comes alongside and says, I am not going to give up on you. He walks alongside all of us who in our pain or our misery or our failure or even our sin, and he says, I am here, and I'm not giving up on you. Don't you give up on you because I'm not giving up on you. And that's what an encourager does. Now, imagine being in a church filled with a community of Barnabases. Imagine coming to church and you know that the people around you are actually going to come and say, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Even here this morning, I walked in, and I don't remember who it was. Well, I do remember who it was, but I don't know your name. Uh, the guy walked in, and he sighed. And my first initial impression was, are you okay? Could you imagine walking to a church? You don't even know the guy, but he says, you're okay. Why? Because there's an atmosphere of, I care. I care. You matter. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're a part of my family. You matter. I want to encourage you. Like the writer of Hebrews, I want to think deeply, and I want to encourage and spur you on to love and good deeds so that when you come to the church that I'm a part of, you sit there and say, I know one thing, that they love me at that place. I'll pass up many a church. I'll go I'll drive by tons of churches together. I'll drive past Willow. I'll, I'll, I'll drive past Harvest Bible. But I'm coming here because I know here people love me. How many of you love to be a church, be at a church like that, right? 
Is that like a dumb question? That's a dumb question. Who wouldn't want to be at a church where you know that people love you? Where it's filled with a culture of people who are like Barnabas, who aren't looking to just, let's be horizontal in our relationships, but let's, how do we bring Jesus into the horizon of our relationships and see how Jesus fills us and walks with us so that we can follow Jesus now? That's the ministry of encouragement. That's what I believe that God calls churches to, to be involved in encouraging one another to love and good deeds. So let me land this plane, because you guys look all really interested. You must be hungry. I'm not really sure what the deal is. But two things. We're going to land the plane. You have to act. Um, so if afterwards you come up to me and say, hey, dude, that was a good sermon, my answer is going to be, it wasn't good unless you do something. Because otherwise, it was just entertainment. I just entertained you. I don't want to entertain you. So I'm going to ask you to do two things in response to this, as, long as, as well as making them lifelong habits, I hope. Number one, from your past, who do you need to thank? Is there someone in your life when you were down, when you were struggling, when people gave up on you, who came alongside of you and said, bro, God loves you. Hang in there. My favorite line from Harvest Bible Chapel is this, remember you are loved. Remember you are loved. I end my text messages, emails, telling people you are loved. God loves you. So if there's someone in your life that you need to say thank you to, write them a note. I'll tell you, sometimes when I'm like down and despairing and thinking, I'm not really a good pastor, I'm horrible. I mean, Dr. Steve gave uh, a devotional during prayer meeting. I'm like, bro, man, I don't even know why I'm here. You should just do the devotional and bring it up here. I'm encouraged by that man. The way he thinks, the way he lives, the way he feels. I just, you know, like, wow. Thank you. That's my thank you. See, I've already done my part of the message. I'm halfway there. (laughs) For the rest of us, who can you encourage today? You know, when you come to church, don't just come to church and say, I'm looking for Jesus, but I'm looking for Jesus to help me to be able to give Jesus to somebody. Because I gotta, I'm going to put good money on it. There is someone here who's hurting. There's someone here who wants to, of the vast number of people that we have here, who really wants to hear a message from God, God saying, I love you, but in a visible form where someone comes alongside you and says, I am here with you, I'll walk with you. Come to church like that. So who is someone that you can encourage today in response to this? Maybe you have to tell them, remember, you are loved. Maybe you have to say, I'm not giving up. I'm going to be here. I'm going to walk with you. Maybe you have to tell them, you know what? You're really good at this. Let's keep moving forward in, in, in this direction. Let's develop this sort of culture that really helps people see the love of Jesus in action through us in the world that we live today. Why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to give us about two minutes just to be in silence. Because even though the message is about Barnabas and the ministry of encouragement, I really think it is more so about how Barnabas and his story intersects with the story of Jesus and how Jesus does all this for us. Because the love that Jesus has for us is greater than the love that any person, even Barnabas, has. So as we just reflect on that, just the, the idea of Jesus, show me your love for me and your love for the people around me and that one person who needs to experience it today, here, right now.